0: Our scripture is found in Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate, and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel." May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you. You can be seated. If there's anyone who has everything going against her, her name is Ruth. Ruth enters into the story uh, of the book that bears her name in the most unlikely way. You see, the woman named Naomi once lived in Bethlehem. Naomi lived in Bethlehem with her husband Elimelech and her two boys, Malon and Kilion, and something happened. Naomi, while she is Living in uh, Bethlehem with Elimelech and her two boys, hard times come. Most likely God is punishing or disciplining, rather, his people. And so as he disciplines his people, uh, there is a famine in the land. And Elimelech and Naomi and the two boys leave. They go to Moab. If you were to look at a map, you would see the Dead Sea. On one side, you would see Bethlehem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, just about 10 miles north of Bethlehem, the Dead Sea is going to come down right between them, and then you go across underneath the Dead Sea, you'll find Moab. The Moabites were not respected people. Uh, They weren't respected because of their lineage. Their line was messed up. Uh, you will discover that it was messed up because of a man named Lot. Every Israelite knew the history of their people, and when they knew it, they knew about a man named Lot. They knew about Lot in comparison to the guy they loved the most, whose name was Abraham. There was a guy named Abraham. Abraham had a nephew named Lot, and back Long before Ruth's time, uh, Lot had some issues with others of Abraham's shepherds and they parted ways and Lot chose the nice, lush field for his sheep. Abraham got the leftovers. People never forget an opportunist. They just never forget him and they didn't forget Lot. Lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah, twin cities of sin, he ends up in those cities, and God is bringing judgment. And so God sends angels to rescue Lot, and they do. Lot with his wife, with his daughters, flee Sodom and Gomorrah. And as they're fleeing, oh, Lot's wife, she loved the city. With all of its stuff, she still loved the city. And she looked back, and the story is that she was turned into a pillar of salt. And it was just Lot. Lot and his daughters. And the unthinkable happened. It's unthinkable then. It's unthinkable now. Lots and his two daughters. They get him drunk. They have sex with him. They have children. And those children are the Moabites. There is no one who would want to go to Ancestry.com and discover that's where your line goes to, right? No one. That's Ruth. Ruth happens to meet Malon in Moab. They fall in love, we presume. They get married. But what happens in Moab is so bad. Elimelech dies, Malon dies, Kilion dies. It's Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, the other sister-in-law. Orpah stays in Moab. Ruth and Naomi come back to Bethlehem. When they do, the town is Stirred. Uh, It's buzzing. Naomi's back in town, everybody says. And so the women run to see her. Naomi was from the aristocratic family in Bethlehem. Uh, the, the, The Vanderbilts, you might say, of Bethlehem, Naomi comes back and her name means pleasant. And she looks at those women and she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. I went away full. I've come home empty. Ruth hears all of this. She has left her homeland, left her people. She is now with a bitter woman. Mara means bitter. She's with bitter in Bethlehem rather than her mom in Moab. They have nothing. They are impoverished. Naomi is old. Ruth is young. Naomi goes to glean in the field. That means just get the leftovers, just just the grain that falls from the gleaner's packs. And she's doing that. And as she is, she discovers she's in Boaz's field. And as you saw in the video, he takes care of her. He's good to her. And then Naomi gets an idea. Boaz is a redeemer. A redeemer in that economy could do this. You see, something else happened that we were kind of surprised by. Evidently, a conversation took place and Naomi at some point decided to sell her land. Things were that bad. She couldn't. Couldn't take care of it, and at least she would get some proceeds from it. And yes, it was her livelihood, and yes, it had been in the family for years, but she decides to sell it. And when she does, in Israel's economy, you don't do that. Oh, you don't sell your land, that's your livelihood. So they have a redeemer a redeemer can step in and what the redeemer does is to buy it. But the redeemer has to be in your family and he keeps the land in your family and while he buys it and it's truly his, you get all the benefits of the land even though you sold it. It's like you never really did. I want to say something to you this morning that Ruth, who's on the outskirts of all of this happening, foreigner, in a strange land. Her heritage is horrific. Some of you find yourselves like Ruth this morning. You're here. And if you look back over your life, you it's not a story you want to tell. Oh, Like all of us, you were born into sin, but then like some of us, you sin exceedingly. And when you trace it back, it goes back to addiction. It goes back to rejection, abandonment. There is so much sin that you look at in your life and you think, there's no hope for me. And you sit here this morning and hope seems so far out of reach. Ruth knows how you feel. So what happens is she does the unbelievable and proposes to Boaz. And then Boaz drops the bomb. I'm not the closest of kin. There's another redeemer There's somebody else who can buy the field from Naomi. And Ruth's heart sinks. Boaz reassures her. That's the end of chapter 3. Hey, if he can't do it or won't, I will. Chapter 4 opens at the city gate. The city gate was an interesting place in that day. Uh, At the city gate is where all business took place. Not only did all business take place at the city gate, but also at the city gate is where all gossip took place, too. The city gate was Facebook of today, all right? So if anything happened, it happened uh, at the city gate. If if they had had Instagram in the day, it would have happened at the city gate. And so the ne- very next day, Boaz gets up, and he goes straight to the city gate, and guess who happens to drop by? That close kin redeemer. So Boaz sees him and when he does, he calls him over and, and he, he says, my friend, he doesn't say his name. He says, my friend, sit down here. And so this closest of kin to Naomi, which is really to Elimelech, Naomi's husband is seated. And then that's not enough. Boaz wants to make it official. So he gets 10 elders of the city. These are like aldermen. These are town council. And he seats them. So 10 elders from Bethlehem are seated. We've got the closest of kin. Boaz is there and scripture says, and people. Why? Because people gathered to see things like this, right? Right? They want to see kind of what's happening, what's unfolding. So the people gather, and Boaz looks at the Redeemer. He never calls him by name, and he says, Listen, Naomi has decided to sell her parcel of land. You are the closest of kin. You want to buy it? And everything in Boaz is hoping he'll say what? No. Why? Why? Boaz so wants to redeem the land and he wants to get Ruth. But what does the guy say? He says, yeah, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz, I mean, deserves the Cy Young Award for this curveball in verse five. Here it is. He says, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Boaz says to this unnamed, closest of kin redeemer, There is a woman, related daughter in law of Elimelech, who can still have children. And as long as there is a child-bearing, eligible woman, we have to extend Elimelech's line. So not only are you buying land, you're getting a wife. Now, he introduces something that's strange to us. It's called lever marriage. And it was a a principle in that day, also in Israel's economy, uh, that if you... Were a brother, and your brother died, and his wife had never had children. You would take her in and become her husband, too. I know it sounds strange, but that's the way it worked, to preserve the line. And Boaz brings that in, and everything changes when he throws that curveball. Notice the Redeemer's response. Verse 6, then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Twice he says, I can't do this. From this full conversation, we learn one of three gifts that God wants to give every new believer in him. God wants to give you significance. God will give you significance. You say, what do you mean? For a woman to be significant in this day, Naomi, I'm talking of now, there were two necessary things a husband and children, namely boys. A husband and children, and Naomi had neither, she had neither a husband now, her boys are dead. Her significance is lost. She has no way to provide for herself. She has no way to continue this line. Naomi's got two huge problems her land and her line. Those are her two problems, and there's no solution for these problems. In Naomi's view, she can see no possible way out. Her significance is shattered. You know that that some of you find great significance in things that ultimately don't satisfy. Uh, some of you sit here and you find great significance in your work. It's what defines you. In your heart of hearts, you think you matter because of the job you have and the money you make. Others of you who are students find great significance in your athletic ability because of the sport you play, because of the fans who rally around when you play the sport. You think, I matter. There are others of you, perhaps you're single but dating, and you find your significance in him. Or her. Oh, if something happened, your world would fall apart. You couldn't imagine your life without him, your life without her. And it's unhealthy for you. Some of you find your significance in your possessions, the car you drive defines you the clothes you wear define you lose the car lose the clothes lose yourself that's your world Naomi lost her significance in Moab and Boaz says we're not just going to save her land to this unnamed redeemer, we're going to save her line. We're going to give her back the two things that give her the most significance. God wants to do that for you this morning. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Christ, God wants to give you significance. So the Redeemer says, the closest of kin, I can't. He's not being rude. He's not being ugly. The way he says it twice, most likely, he can't afford to. He's got children of his own. And then if he marries Ruth and Ruth has children, he'll have to take care of all of those. And he can't do it. He's simply saying, I can't. Doesn't say, I don't want to. I can't. And then something interesting happened, verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? So somebody's leaving there, one shoe less. All right. They have a meeting at the city gate and somebody is going to leave there with three shoes and somebody's going to leave there with one somehow it's going down and so this unnamed redeemer who says i can't do it takes his shoe off hands his shoe to boaz now what might be the significance of shoes or sandals or feet feet were a a symbol of power they were a symbol of dominion or ownership As a matter of fact, when God said to Joshua, Joshua, you're to go into the promised land, how did he tell him to do it? Every place where the sole of your foot treads, I've given to you. The symbol of feet and ownership and what this Redeemer is saying is saying, I'm giving you the right to possess her land, possess Naomi's land, to receive Ruth. Boaz, I'm giving it all to you. And so what happens? He says, buy it for yourself. So he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, the crowd has gathered. They're listening in. You are witnesses this day that I bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon, also Ruth the Moabite. The widow of Malon, I bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day, he says. Wow. Not only will God give you significance, God will give you a new identity. You say, how so? This is the last time in the book of Ruth that Ruth is called Ruth the Moabite. She's referred to so respectfully later in this passage as the young woman. And then after that, she is called Ruth. Why? Because Ruth the Moabite has become Ruth. The Israelite. Wow. Ruth, the foreigner. Ruth, the gleaner in the field, has become Ruth, who is married to the farmer who owns the field. Her identity is completely changed in this one moment When Boaz steps up and says, I will redeem her I will buy the land I will buy her Her identity is completely changed And Ruth goes from being the Moabite to the Israelite She goes from being the gleaner in the field to the grower of the crops Ruth's identity completely changes The New Testament says if any man is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you come to God by faith in Jesus Christ and you receive Christ as your Savior, he makes you into a new man. He makes you into a new woman. He takes you from who you used to be and makes you who he has designed you to be. It was preposterous for Ruth to propose to Boaz. Why? Well, she was a Moabite and he was an Israelite. She was poor. He was rich. She was a woman. He was a man. She was young. He was old. She had four strikes against her. And Boaz redeemed her. He made her into a new Ruth. We joked earlier in the service about the game today. And I have no skin in this game, really. Could care less, I guess, who wins. But I do like Russell Wilson. I do. Quarterback for the Seahawks avid follower of Christ. I went looking this week because I've, I've watched his post-game interviews, but I've never heard his story, never heard his testimony, and I wondered, what is it? And so, I listened to him give it very brief. He said he was a bad kid. He said as a little kid, he bit other kids randomly. He said, I was just mean. And then when he became an 11, 12, 13 year old, he said, I fight, bully, pick on, just was not a good kid. But he shared, he said, I was 14 years old, had a dream, and in my dream, my dad died. And he said, I was devastated, but Jesus walked into my bedroom in my dream. And he said, I woke up and that very weekend, I went to church and that very weekend, I gave my life to Christ and he changed me. He said, never to bully again. Never to fight like that again. And then he, in this same vein, shared how that when he was 20 years old, his dad died. And he said, the Jesus who walked into my room in that dream had walked into my heart that weekend and he got me through the death of my dad. God changed Russell Wilson. Gave him a new identity. Which happens not to be quarterback. It happens to be child of God. Ruth is now an Israelite. Whoever would have thought... So what happens next is cool. Verse 11, then all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, I'm assuming they didn't say this in unison. I'm just guessing there was a spokesman who spoke up and felt the need now to say something. The crowd is gathered. The transaction's have been made. One guy's walking away shoeless, at least on one foot. And Boaz has got three shoes now. And somebody feels the need to say something. And here's what somebody says. And I think they all must have said, Amen. All right. Then all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. What? Not only will God give you significance, not only will God give you a new identity. But God longs to give you a new purpose. Rachel and Leah. All right, next week we're going to get into some mixed up genealogy and discover how God's family tree is just a mess. But just hang with me here. Rachel and Leah were both married to one man named Jacob. Whose name after he wrestled with the angel was changed to Israel. And together with a couple of concubines, it's weird. We'll get into that next week. They became the mothers of Israel. And these women in Bethlehem look at this Moabite outcast and say, Hey, may you be like Rachel and Leah. What? What? They're saying, God's got something here for you. And they don't stop with her. They then turn to Boaz. And they say, may you act worthily in Ephrathah in, in and be renowned in Bethlehem and may your house be like the house of Paris, whom Tamar boarded you to because the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Why did they call her young woman? To show she can still have children. There's hope for Naomi's line, Elimelech's line, and Elimelech's land because this Redeemer has stepped in. What was this purpose? Well, it's a spoiler alert, but if you go to verse 17, a baby is born to Boaz and Ruth. Poor Ruth. She doesn't even get to pick the name. These women in Bethlehem were kind of bossy. And so a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ruth became the great grandmother of King David. Wow. Talk about a purpose. Raise the boy who's going to raise the boy who's going to be the greatest king of Israel. God longs to give you significance. God longs to give you a new identity. God longs to give you a new purpose in your life. I brought with me something this morning uh, that you may have seen sitting over here. It's rough looking, I know, but it is my rocking chair. Um, I went to Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and as a high school kid, I, I did two things. I studied, I was a complete nerd, and I worked 40 hours a week. I worked a lot, and I did so to pay my way. Through college, I knew that was the only way I could go, and so I did nothing but those two things. But in college, I blossomed. I loved college, blossomed. I worked a lot in college too, but my senior year, uh, I became president of the student body there at Wofford. And the night before I graduated from Wofford, there was a, a a nice meal and an awards deal. And because I was a nerd at Wofford and Discovered some leadership uh, abilities there. I got a few awards that night. But one of the gifts I received was this now beat up rocking chair. I'm old. I graduated 25 years ago this May. So here it is. Well, I, I brought it home with me, of course, in my car. I remember cramming it in along with other things. And I brought this rocking chair home. And it trekked with me. Every move I made. So it was a few years ago, and we were working in our house, and we just discovered that we really didn't have a good spot. And against Wendy for the chair, and against Wendy's advice, we were having a yard sale. I said, honey, let's just put it out there and see what we can get for it. And sure enough, this antique dealer came by, saw this chair, and wanted it. He paid what we wanted, and he bought it. Well, I was good with that until I'm driving down Catawba Avenue in Old Fort, and I look in the window, and what do I see? My chair. Now, you've got to understand that on the back, it's broken and tattered, but on the back, it says my name right here. Student body president, my name is there. It's dated. This is my chair and it's in the window for sale. And I remember driving down Katab Avenue and I looked over and I saw it sitting there in that what well, used to be Hughes' department store back in the day. I see it sitting in that window and I go, oh, He's selling my chair. And so I did what I did and I'm driving back and I look to the right and I see my chair again and I'm like, oh, What does he think he's doing? And so I came home, and I was like, honey, he's selling my chair. You know, he's selling my chair back there. And she said, go buy the thing. So here I go, back to the shop. I walk in, and I said, I see the guy who was in my front yard a few weeks before, and I said, this is my chair. (laughs) He said, I bought it from you. I said, yeah, and I really want to buy it back. It's the worst business deal of my life because I paid more for it than he paid me for it. (laughs) Why would I ever do that? Here's why. When I look at that chair immediately, I think of Monday night meetings, I think of a, a bookstore that I started on campus for poor kids to where they wouldn't have to pay a lot for their books and sell them to each other. I think of all of these things. That chair is more than wood. And a metal inscription to me, isn't it? It It's mine. Here's the reality some of you are sitting in that proverbial window, and God looks at you and He says, She's mine. He's mine. What, why, why is she sitting in the window like that for anybody to, to pay the least that he'll take for her? And before you were ever created, God knew that you would sell yourself short. And he looked at Jesus and Jesus said, yeah. And God steps onto the storefront and he looks at the owner and he says, I'm buying the chair back. And the owner says, not that quick. And Jesus steps in And on the cross, he bled and died and paid for you with his very life so that you wouldn't sit aimlessly and purposely in some random storefront But that you would be truly, know your significance, know your identity, become a new man, a new woman in Christ. He died to buy you back. Why? He made you, you bear his image he loves you. Could I ask you this morning? Why would you not receive such a Jesus? Why would you not receive such a Savior who loves you that much? Would you bow your heads? Everybody's heads are bowed during this time. That connection card I ask you to tear out, would you find it right now? Just find that card. Just get it to where you can write on it, should you want to. I realize that in this room this morning are people who walked in here Separate from, apart from Christ. No one is looking around. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Every believer in the room is praying. But if you sit here this morning and you say, Jerry, I came here not knowing Jesus. I came here like Ruth, thinking there's no hope for me. Look what I've done. Look where I've failed. Look how I've messed up. And this morning, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just look up at me right now if that is you? Thank you. Anyone else? You say, I want to give my life to Christ this morning. Thank you. Anyone else? Just look at me and say today, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Just need eye contact. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.